glad you're here. My name is Daryl. For those of you that haven't had a chance to meet me yet, I am the minister of high school here at Cross Life. Been here for a little over four years. Love my job. Love what I get to do. Um, it is my duty and my pleasure to get to talk to high schoolers about Jesus and point them to Jesus and encourage them in their walk with Jesus or introduce them to Jesus for the first time. And it's my full-time job. And I love every second of it that this is what I get paid to do. Um, I love it. Uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Uh, my family and I have been here, like I said, for about four and a half years. We love Oviedo. We love Orlando. We love this area. Um, and just so thankful to be serving at a church that loves students. I don't know if you guys know this or not, uh, but Cross Life is not a normal church in that not every church in America loves and, and like supply and like provides for students the way that Cross Life does. Um, like we are allowed to do so much and we're encouraged to do so much for you guys because we have a church body and a pastor that believes in the potential and the power of teenagers um, to reach their friends and to change the world. Um, we always have this little saying like, you guys aren't the church of tomorrow, you're the church of now. Like you guys are very much an active part of the church as you are today, as you will be in 10 years. Like you, are, there is no like, junior membership at a church, right? Like, you're a part of it. You're a part of the body of believers, and our church and our pastor fully believes in that. Um, and so if you're here, if this is your first time here, welcome. I would love to get to know you before you leave. Um, if it's not your first time, you've been here 800 times, please know that we're so glad you're here, and we just want to continue to pour into you and love you and help you grow in your relationship with Jesus, all right? Tonight, we're going to continue our series that we started last week. We started this series called Rules, What Can Christians Do? And very simply, this series is we're just taking a look at a couple of the things that the world might have questions about Christianity, like, hey, can a Christian do this? Hey, can a Christian do that? Um, maybe so there's some things like even inside of the church, like some Christians struggle with because maybe that's not very clear in Scripture, um, or maybe you just never really studied, you know, the, the in-depth of it. Um, and last week we started this series with a very topic that is very controversial and also like kind of like in the middle scripturally, like there's really no yes or no on one area of it, but then there's a very blatant no on the other side of it. Um, and we talked about, we answered the question, can a Christian drink? Like if you guys were here last week, we talked about that. Um, and the, the scriptural answer is yes, they can. But the really thing we get into is, like, should a Christian drink? Probably not. Like, just because of some of the implications that go. And we got it all to it. If you, if you weren't here last week and you want to know about it, go to our YouTube channel. Watch the video. You can find it on a podcast. You can download it through Spotify and listen to it that way as well. Uh, just know that all those things are there for you guys, a chance for you to listen. But tonight we're going to answer another question that I get all the time. Listen, I've been a youth pastor for almost 20 years, and I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with people. Usually it's a high school girl, um, no offense girls, but this is usually where it comes from. And, and, they're like, and, and they're like, can I date a guy that's not a Christian? And, like, and I always like look at them, I'm like, no. Um, but it, it's real, here's the thing, like, we're going to answer this question. Can you marry, uh, can a Christian date slash marry a non-Christian? Like, here's the thing, um, this would seem like it's an obvious question, like an obvious answer, and scripturally it is a pretty obvious answer, which we'll get into here in a little bit, but I can't tell you how many times I've had these conversations with people, and even in my own life, like I struggled with this when I was in high school and in college even, um, like you, you start getting interested in people, you're attracted to someone, and the more you get to know them, the more you realize, you're like, Ugh. but then like you've already kind of 
unattracted to them and you're like, I could change them. Like, you ever, you ever hear the phrase, like, missionary dating? Like, what they mean by that is, like, I'm going to date someone to draw them closer to Jesus. And then it'll be okay because then they'll be a Christian because I dated them. And, like, they fell in love with me and so they fell in love with Jesus because of me. Like, all those kind of things, right? Well, here's the thing. It doesn't work. Let me just be very blatant and honest with you. It doesn't work. From my experience, it does not work. Um, let me tell you a quick story about my, my past. Um, I was in high school. Uh, actually, I just graduated high school, all right? Um, and I was, I, I was at a graduation party for a friend I went to high school with, right? His name was John. I'm at his graduation party, and this girl walks into the room, and, and I'm like, hey, that girl's pretty cute, all right? And I start talking to her, right? And, and next thing I know, I realize it's John's cousin, roundabout way. We end up dating, like, throughout that summer um, before I go off to college, which, <laughs> stupid timing. But anyway, uh, anyway, so, like, the second or third date, it comes out that she's a, like, a hardcore, like, vegetarian, borderline vegan, right? I just want you to know this. I am not. Like, charred animal flesh is one of my favorite flavors in the world. Like, I love a good steak. Give me, like, give me all the red meat you possibly can. Like, that's just who I am. I love to eat meat. I actually have a shirt. I've worn it a couple times where it says, pray for vegans on the back because I feel like they are depraved people. If you're a vegan, I'm so sorry. I'll pray for you, all right? Um, But anyway, I find out that this girl is, like, vegetarian, vegan. But I'm like, all right, she's still cute, whatever, no big deal. But, um... She was a believer, so, like, it wasn't, like, necessarily a Christian, non-Christian thing, but, man, like, we were on different paths. Like, I got, there was one time, like, she, we, she calls me up, and she's like, hey, Daryl, I made us dinner. When you, you know, you want to come have dinner with me? And I was like, yeah, sure, no big deal. Like, and, and, like, I was still trying to impress her. We were in that stage of dating, right? And I walk in, and there's chili. Like, it smells delicious. Like, I'm like, oh, this is good. This is, like, this she made me chili. Like, she knows I like chili. And, like, and I go up, and I, I take my first spoonful, and I take a bite, and the flavor was great. Consistency, bleh, all right? Um, and, like, I'm, I'm, I'm chewing it, and I'm like, I've never had ground beef bounce like that. Like, I was just kind of like, like, what is going on? And, like, so I'm eating, and she's, like, looking at me, eating. So I knew something was up right away, all right? And, and I'm like, she's like, so? what do you think? And I'm trying to be nice. And I'm like, tastes great because it did. It did taste good. All right. And then she's like, what do you, what do you think? Like, what do you, I was like, it's good. And she goes, no, really? What do you think? I was like, what'd you do? Like, this doesn't like the consistency is, is off. And she starts laughing. She goes, you're eating tofu. And I I was just like, oh, curse you. Right. And and like, so uh, I went home that night and I shared that story. I get home from that, that night. Right. And my parents are home. And they have some friends over that were good family friends. My dad was a cop, and so this other guy was a cop. So you just kind of imagine, like, the personality profile that's going on there. And I walk in, and I tell this story. And the guy that was the friend of the family, his name was Joe Mikowski, he's sitting there, and he just starts laughing. He goes, dump her. Get rid of her. There's no way. Like, there's no way it's going to work, Daryl. What are you going to do? Like, if you guys get, and he starts throwing this hypothetical situation out there. He's like, listen, if, if you end up marrying this girl, and you have a long, hard day at work, and you come home, and she throws in front of you a baked potato. What are you going to (laughs) do? And I was like, you're right. I need to get rid of her. Uh, It took me a couple months till I get there. But here's the thing. I say all that to say this. It's a funny story, all this, but it's real life. But it's not much different in our spiritual lives. All right? You and your partner that you choose to be with, whether it be in a dating relationship or a marriage relationship, because a dating relationship, in theory, should be in preparation for a marriage relationship. That's a whole other message we'll get into another day. All right? But like, You should be on the same path. 
You should be on the same, same journey. You should have similar convictions. You should have similar ideas of where you're headed. Now listen, I'm not saying like this girl was, was a nice girl, all that kind of stuff, but like I couldn't do it. Like I need red meat in my life. I need fish at very least, at very least chicken, right? Something, like give me some sort of protein that's not soy-based, right? And, and, and here's the thing, guys, listen. So many of us in our lives, hey guys, so many of us in our lives, we, we, we glaze over some pretty big things when we're looking for someone to date or we're looking for a relationship or even just like somebody like that we might even consider dating. Like we, we glaze over some big things. And in this message, I, I want you to understand, guys, listen, when you're dating or getting married, like you must have similar convictions and beliefs or conflict and issues will come along. If you don't have the same convictions, if you don't have the same um, structures in your life, or at least similar convictions, conflict and, and, and issues will come up. It's not an issue, uh, issue of if they'll come up, it's a matter of when they'll come up. They will happen. They, Paul knew this, and, and in tonight's passage, we're going to be in the book of 2 Corinthians. Last week we were in 1 Corinthians, this week we're in 2 Corinthians, all right? And we're going we're to get into this a little bit. He makes it very, very clear. And I want to get into this passage a little bit, and we're going to talk about it, we're going to read about it, we're going to apply it to our lives. Guys, I'm not going to be long tonight because this one's pretty cut and dry. I want to give you guys some things to chew on, some things to think about as you get to that age where you're, you're starting to consider dating, and you consider, like, you're not that far away from marriage. Like, a couple years down the road, like, you could potentially be there. Um, my wife and I, we got married at 22 and 23. Like, we were, we were young, all right? You're not that far away from that, some of you guys. All right, you need to understand that, guys, you're, you're, you're very close to hitting that point in your life where you have to make some pretty big decisions. And it's my hope and my prayer that tonight's message is not one of those, like, shame you messages and force you all to break up with your boyfriends or girlfriends, like, by the end of the night. But if it does, great, let me know. I'll celebrate with you. All right, but that's not my intention, Okay? My intention tonight is to give you information to help you process and make decisions, again, through the scriptural lens that we talked about last week. Every decision we make in life should be run through the filter of scripture. Is this scriptural? Is this, does this align with what God's word says? Okay? If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, that should be the first question you ask yourself with almost every decision you make. Okay? Is this scriptural? Does this line up with what God has for me? Okay, if you have your Bible, 2 Corinthians, all right? 2 Corinthians chapter number 6, we're going to start reading in verse number 14, and we're going to read through verse, uh, chapter 7, verse number 1. It says this, ready? Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion of, uh, excuse me, what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the Lord, excuse me, of the living God. As God said, I will make a dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, 
Go out from their mists and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of the body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Let me pray for us real quick. Father God, as we look at this passage, as we unpack it in our lives as we apply it to the decisions that we make in our lives about who we date or who we marry. Lord, I pray that you would help us to have clear thoughts. Help, help us to take our own opinions out of the, the, the fold here, Lord, and just look at what you have for us. Lord, guide our discussion tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In this first verse here um, that we just read, Paul gets straight to the point, right? He says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Unequally yoked, what does that mean? What, what does unequally yoked mean? Well, there's a Greek word here, um, heterozygio, igo, zygio, something like that. I don't know. I wasn't a Greek scholar. I looked it up online. All right, but anyway, this phrase here, all right, that, that word that's used in there, the, um, the yoked, being yoked together, this is the word that's used for it. And another translation would be harnessing together. It would be like bringing someone together, like partnering them together. If you guys have ever seen old school like farm equipment, you guys ever seen like the oxen when, or like the, 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 the cow that are like pulling the plows, the old plows, they'd have this like giant wood beam that would go across the back of their necks and then like a, a little horseshoe that would like wrap around their necks and you'd have two of them. They'd be yoked together. That's what those things are. Those are called a yoke. And those would get put together and those, two, now instead of having the power of one ox, now you have the power of two ox that are yoked together. They're moving together. And for the, the plow to work, your oxen had to be going the same direction. There's also, it's like if you go back into like the Hebrew law and you get into this a little bit, like in, it was against the Hebrew law to have different size oxen hooked into the same yoke. Like they had to be equal strength. You couldn't have like a like really strong one and a really weak, sick one. Like it wouldn't work because like what would happen? It, it would drift, right? You'd end up drifting to the strong side, right? You'd end up doing these things. So like there was very specific laws about how you could do this in the, in the, the Hebrew culture. Um, and, and here's the thing. You need to understand that as he's talking about this, like it would lead to uneven work. If you were unequally yoked, if you had unequally, unequal animals yoked together, the job would not be completed to the way that, it wanted, that you needed it to get completed. Does that make sense? Like if you had unequal animals, if you had an oxen and a goat, like, or if you had a horse and a goose right, in the same, in the same yoke, like it's not going to get the job done. It's going to be an improper use of your tools. It's going to be an improper use of what uh, the intention of that tool was. So as, as Paul is saying this to the church in, in Corinth, he, he is reminding the church, hey, listen, we're to be different. As Christians, we're to live differently. We're, the, the, the world that's surrounding, remember we talked a little bit about this last week, Corinth was a pretty wicked place. Lots of debauchery, lots of things going on, um, and it was, it was starting to infiltrate the early church. Like the, the lines were getting blurred between the church of Corinth and the city of Corinth. And so as Paul's writing here to the church, he, he's warning them, hey, be careful. 
Don't be unequally yoked. These people that he's writing to, the church in Corinth, they knew exactly what Paul was saying here. He was saying, be careful about who you partner with. Be careful about who you hitch yourself to. Because if you do it with the wrong person, if you, if you get connected, even in marriage or in a business relationship, whatever, like, it, it's not just a marriage statement here, right? He's saying, just be careful about who you attach yourself to. Because we're to be different. We're to live by a different standard. We're to be held to a higher standard. So why should we not be unequally yoked in relationships? Why should we not be unequally yoked in relationships? First is this. Our lifestyles should be in direct conflict. What do I mean by that? All right. If we're if we're to be if we're not to be unequally yoked, if we're if we are in a relationship with someone, like say we're dating someone or we get married to somebody that's not a believer and you are a believer, right? Your uh, your lifestyles should be in conflict with one another. What do I mean by that? I mean, like, as a Christian, you're supposed to live a certain way, right? You're held to a standard by Scripture. You're supposed to walk this path that God enlightens for you, and you, you walk down that path. Well, a non-believer doesn't have that same path, doesn't have that same conviction, doesn't have that same, um, you know, drive to, to be holy and to, to be righteous and live a righteous life. They're going to live the opposite. So, like, in theory, you, you should be in conflict. If you're not, man, it's time to examine your heart as a believer, Maybe you're not living the way you're supposed to be living. Maybe you're living more like the unbeliever than like a believer. Your life should, your lifestyles should be in direct conflict. We see this in verses 14 and 15 where it says this. For what partnership has righteousness um, with lawlessness? What partnership does righteousness have with lawlessness? Partnership between these two are impossible. They are in direct conflict. You're looking at order versus chaos, right? Righteousness versus lawlessness. They are, they are in complete opposite works of each other. They can't coexist. It's good versus evil. We need to understand these things, that, that you're, the, the, there is no partnership. There should be no partnership between the righteous and the lawless. Opposite paths. Or what fellowship has light with darkness? I don't know if you know this, but, or how science works, but darkness and light cannot coexist in the same exact space. Okay? See what I'm saying? Like, if we were to turn off all the lights, and we're not going to, all right, but if we, if we were to turn off every light in this place and close every door and lock everything, it would get pretty dark in here real fast, right? Turn off the exit light signs. Like, if we eliminated every source of light in this place, it'd get dark quick, right? But if it was dark real quick and I turned on just a single light bulb right here, you know what would happen? That darkness would start to dissipate. And anywhere that that light bulb reaches, the dark can no longer exist. Because a light, light eliminates darkness. And in our lives, guys, listen, what fellowship has light with darkness? We, if we are to be the light of the world, if we are to be like walking with Christ and live a certain way that, that is bright for Jesus... We can't have that close of a relationship. We can't be, be involved in that type of a relationship with someone that is living in darkness. 
doesn't coexist. It goes on, it says, what accord has Christ with Belial? What accord is, oh, these two things right here, guys, listen, I need you to understand. This word, Belial, is another word for the devil. It's another word for destruction, treacherous, lawlessness, worthlessness, right? This was a common term used in Judaism uh, in Paul's day. This would have been, like, the people that he's writing to knew exactly what he was talking about here. This wasn't like one of those obscure references that we have to, like, research. They knew exactly what he was talking about. We, we, we can't have them be together. They're the complete opposite of God. Like, he is the opponent of Christ, not the partner with Christ. There should be no accord there. Um, the, 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 I love the word accord um, because it, it refers to this idea of a harmonious moment or consistent with. Like, Christ and, and the devil can't have harmony together. They, they, they don't work together. They're in direct contrast with each other. There is no accord there. There is no, there's no way it can work. So not only our lifestyles should be in direct conflict, but number two, why else uh, should we not be unequally yoked in relationships? Number two is this. We are called to a life of holiness. We are called to a life of holy, and we've talked about this before, guys. If you've been here for any amount of time, you know um, this, this truth. But it, it, it's referred to here in, Paul, in Paul's letter to the church. He, said, he starts in verse number 16. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God said. I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from the mist and be separate from them, says the Lord. Underline that part if, you, if, you, if you're taking notes. And touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. But skip back there to verse number 17, because this is where the holiness part comes in. He says, therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them. Holiness at its simplest form simply means to be set apart, to be separate for a purpose. God has called us to be holy. He's called us to live differently so that we could be used by him to impact people, to reach people. And when we choose to defile our relationships, when we choose not to, to live a holy life, when we allow the, this, this sin into our lives, guys, through marriage or through dating, like it, it's, it causes us not to be holy. We're no longer set apart. We're partnering with the world. Now hear me out. I'm not saying you're never to talk to an unbeliever. Complete opposite. Please talk to them. Love them. Point them to Jesus in every way you possibly can. But there's a difference between being friends with someone and being romantically connected to someone. We need to understand that we're called to be different. We're called to be set apart. We're called to be holy. We're called to live by a different standard. 
In, in this, you need to understand that we're, we're to be separate for a reason. And in marriage, like when, when if, if the dating relationship proceeds and you end up getting married, guys, listen, that whole idea of two becoming one, like it's impossible to be right. It's impossible to be harmonious if one's a believer and one is not. And Paul is very careful here saying, hey, listen, you need to make sure that you're, you're not se- stepping into this. Now, he also clears it up. Don't like go home and, and, and be like, mom and dad, you're one saved, one's not. Like, listen, if, if you got saved after you got married, Paul actually says, stick it out. Like, continue to love your, your spouse. Like, do what you can. You know, and, and, and like, I'm not saying like, if, if you get saved, like, it's, that's your green light to divorce your spouse. That is not the case. Paul actually speaks out against that. <laughs> okay? But what he is saying here is like, don't start from there. Guard your heart. Protect yourself. Make sure that you're, you're, you're setting yourself apart so that you can be as effective as possible so that you don't become unequally yoked and contaminated in your relationships. Don't defile yourself. Here's the thing, guys. Listen, I need you to understand something. You deserve better. Can I just be real with you guys for a second? Like, in your dating relationships, as you get to that age where it becomes normal and it becomes more common for dating to, to take place, and especially once you're out of high school and, like, serious dating relationships start coming around and, like, you start dating for the purpose of marriage, which you should be the whole time, but that's a whole nother, again, another message, another day. Um, but this idea of, of, of marriage, getting towards marriage, if you're not careful, if you, if you open yourself up to it, um, you're going to get hurt. You're going to set yourself up for failure. You're going to set yourself up for a place where, where pain and suffering are going to step into your lives and step into your relationships, and it's going to cause issues. And we need to be careful of that, and you deserve better. Gentlemen, you deserve better than that. Women, ladies, you deserve better than some punk guy who's not going to treat you right because he doesn't love Jesus. Can I tell you? <laughs> Can I tell you guys? Listen. Listen. Here's the thing I need you to understand. Guys and girls, both of you, listen very carefully. Very carefully. Listen, listen. And I'm dead serious here. I know it's fun to talk about, but I need you to hear me and hear my heart in this. All right? I want what's best for every single one of you. I made mistakes when I was in high school and even in the beginning of college, like dating the wrong people. And I opened myself up to some pain and to some hurt that I never really needed to. And I'm not just saying this because she's in the room, but the moment I met my wife and I knew that her path was on the same path as mine, and I knew that we both loved Jesus, and I knew that we were both ministry-minded, and I knew that she would be okay with being a pastor's wife, and I knew all those things that were coming into play were going to align and our paths were right, I knew in that moment she was the one. You deserve better. You deserve better than compromise. You deserve better than than unequally yoking yourself to someone who doesn't have the same convictions. You need to understand that marriage is a sacred thing. God has gifted us with the ability and freedom to get married. Why would we want to screw that up? God has gifted us with this. Don't compromise. Don't compromise. Allow God to lead you to the one who loves him and will love you well. Because you deserve that. 
God has allowed us to have that freedom and the ability to do it. Like, man, don't abuse that. Allow God to guide you and lead you and, and, and show you the right one. God's plan for you is great. God's plan for you is awesome. Be set apart. Have standards. Set those standards. Don't compromise those standards. First question I always ask people when they tell me, hey, I, I got a girlfriend. Like, especially when kids like go off to college and they come back, they're like, hey, I got a girlfriend. Like, my first question is always, does she love Jesus? Like, does she love Jesus? Yeah? All right, tell me about her. Because if the answer is no, they know what I'm about to say. <laughs> like, get rid of her. Like, it's not like you're in the wrong relationship. You need to understand, like, we, 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 we joke about these things, and we always, we always kind of laugh about them. But listen, it's, it's serious business that we set standards and we hold ourselves to those standards. And we don't compromise those standards. We, we set ourselves apart. We live by a different level of, 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 of standards of who we are supposed to be with and the kind of person that we want to be with. So here's the thing. Some of you guys are sitting in here and you're like, oh, crap. That's not the person I'm with right now. <laughs> and I get that. Man, that, that's fine. Have a heart-to-heart. -heart. Think about it. Pray about it. Talk to God about it. Talk to me about it. Talk to another leader. We'll love to walk, sit down with you and talk about it. But here's the thing. We need to make sure that we're pursuing the right things in our relationships. And now you might be thinking, well, it's just fun. We're just having fun. We're not, like, we're going to get married. Then why are you dating them? If you're not going to marry them, why are you going to date them? You're just setting yourself up, preparing yourself to be okay with divorce later. That's simple. Preparing your heart for heartbreak and being okay with it. Set standards. Set high standards for yourself. And don't compromise. Should a Christian date a non-Christian? No. Should they marry a non-Christian? No. Hands down. No, I will not back down from this one. And you can argue with me all you want afterwards. You will lose. <laughs> it's that simple. But here's the thing, God has set you apart to live by a different standard in all areas of your life, not just in your dating relationships, not just in your marriage, but in everything. He set you apart to live by a different standard. Don't compromise in any way. These rules that we get into, again, it's not a, a, a yes, no, check the box, boom, boom, like here's what's right, here's what's wrong. No, ultimately it comes down to your heart. Who are you trying to please in your life? If it's anyone other than God, it's wrong. I'm not saying you can't please other people, but if God's not at the top of the list, it's time to check your motives. Can I pray for us? God, thank you. God, thank you for your word, for the truth that it holds. God, for the challenges that it gives us. God, I pray that every student in this room, every adult in this room, Lord, that we would set ourselves apart, Lord, that we would realize that we've been set apart to live righteous lives, to, to pursue righteousness and holiness in all things that we do, not just in our dating relationships, not just in our marriages, but, Lord, in every aspect of our lives, Lord. Help us 
to pursue righteousness, to pursue holiness. Lord, I pray that we would set that standard in our lives and we would hold ourselves to it. God, I pray for every individual under the sound of my voice right now and those that are watching online or listening on a podcast at a later date, Lord, I pray that you would just encourage them, challenge them, Lord, to to pursue you with their everything. Lord, help them to be patient. Lord, help them to, to live by the standard that you've set for us in your word. Lord, guide us, direct us tonight. Lord, as we respond in worship, God, I pray that if there's one in here that, that needs to get right with you, that needs to confess sin, that needs to just have a moment of prayer with you, God, I pray that you give them the boldness to come and kneel at the altar and, and, and just pray to you, Lord, as we sing and as we worship together. God, I thank you for these students, Lord, and their attentiveness, Lord, and I just pray that the truth that was spoken tonight, Lord, would not be Daryl's words, but would be the truth of your word, and that they would take it to heart, and they would make decisions from here on out based on your word and your word alone. God, we love you. We give you the rest of this night. God, we pray that you would just help us to give us give you our all. Help us not to be unequally yoked in relationships, Lord, but to be pursuing you so that you will match us with someone that is also pursuing you and on the same path with the same convictions so that we can continue to honor you. Help us not to mix light and darkness, righteousness and lawlessness, Lord, but to pursue you in righteousness and light in everything that we do. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' most glorious and precious name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand together, guys, and let's respond in worship.